Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. That's really who I want to address is, is the believers. That man, God's really seen and felt just the, the uptick in violence, the increase of shootings, murders, crime. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in Nickerson Gardens housing projects quite often. And, and uh, you know, prior to COVID, I didn't see that many gang members out on the streets. Um, but now as, as we drive through the project, there's a lot more people out there. There's a lot more activity. There's a lot going on. And for me uh, as a pastor and just as a, as a, as a person, it's, it's been a challenging me- year. And I feel like if we're, if we're being honest with each other, we've all felt that. You know, we've all felt that weariness. We've all felt that burden and, and just that, that unsureness. And I was praying about what I should preach on uh, to you guys this morning and what I, what I felt like God was impressing on my heart to share. And he led me to the book of James. So if you guys got your Bibles uh, here or are joining us online, please turn your Bibles uh, with me to James chapter 1. And that's where we're going to be starting in verse 19. Um, and honestly, I don't know if there's a more timely word and relevant word for believers uh, in this season, not just for us individually, but for us collectively as, as the capital C church, as the, the universal church, as, um, as a body, as a nation, as communities, as, as the local church within a specific context. Um, I feel like there's just so much um, confusion and and. Um, just this insecurity of, of what is the way moving forward, right, as believers? Like, how are we to respond in this time where uh, we're being bombarded with so much information, right? Um, during the height of the pandemic last year, um, I was one of those people where um, I was on my phone a lot. I was reading every news feed, um, every notification that I got, I was this, I was looking at it, and I was telling her, oh my gosh, how do these people do this, and how do these people do that, and how do people think like this and that, and I can't, I got all caught up in that, and I felt it, I felt just the tiredness, but as I was praying and really studying through this passage, uh, it spoke to me, right? How are believers to respond in the current season we find ourselves in? How can we be effective Christ followers in a time of such division, confusion, and chaos. And what I'm not going to do this afternoon is go on a political rant about what I think about this org or that org or the president or anything of that nature. But what I am going to do is simply present the word to you all with as much clarity as I can and let the word of God weigh on you. Because this passage is it's, it's, uh, it's challenging for all of us. I hope I don't come off as condemning. I don't want to condemn anyone. And yet, the word of God says what it says. I don't have all the answers. I'm still learning to navigate the waters. But what I do know is that the word of God through the spirit of God is the answer for the church. Amen? It's the word of God through the spirit of God. It's the means by which we're going to be able to persevere and endure through these trying times, to stay on course, to stay on mission, to not look to the left or the right and to get swayed by the different winds of culture and society. And man, there's so many competing worldviews out there. And I see it. I see it. 
more prevalent in the youth. You know, the digital space is their space. That's, that's their community. The Bible says times are going to get crazier. And so I feel this urgency in my heart to get this right now. If we're going to continue on in the, into the future as a church, as a body, as, as global citizens, as heavenly citizens, we got to get this right. And I want to remind all of us, we are currently engaged in a spiritual war. Like we're currently in, like it's a literal war going on for our souls. We can't see it. We can't always feel it. But that's the truth. That we have an enemy that comes, the Bible says, to only kill, steal, and destroy. And we see it. And I believe that James has the words that we need to hear for us this afternoon. And so if you guys will look at your Bibles with me, James chapter 1, verses 19 it says this, it says, You know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Now everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not just hearers who deceive themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who has looked intently at the perfect law, the law of freedom, and has continued in it, not having become a forgetful hearer but an active doer, this person will be blessed in what he does. But if anyone thinks himself to be religious yet does not bridle his tongue, his own heart, this person's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this to visit orphans and window, widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Let me just pray for us one more time. God, we just thank you for this, this time, Lord. We thank you for you, Jesus, and what you've done for us on the cross. God, that you took each one of our lives out of the pit, and though it may look different, God, we have one testimony, and that's you. God, we thank you so much for, for the sacrifice that you made for us, God, that we could come here, Lord, as a body and hear from you. God, I pray that your spirit would be working even now, God. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would just get rid of um, all the, everything, Lord, that I would be removed, God, and that you would speak through me, and that what you want to say, God, would come forth clearly, Lord. And so, Lord, we thank you, and in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, the book of James was written by the brother of James, and it's actually one of the oldest New Testament books, um, period. Uh, it's debated between James and Galatians, which one came first, but it's, it's one of the oldest New Testament books. And the theme is simply this. The theme, the main theme that James wants to get across to his hearers is that Christians must live out their faith. They should be doers and not just hearers only. James's readers were, there's a lot of parallels that happen in the context, in the background of when James was written. There was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of division, a lot of chaos uh, within the church, the churches, the house churches in, in, in that area. And so James was writing with practical exhortations and encouragements to the churches saying, 
No, no, no. You guys need to be unified, right? To, to, to keep the main thing the main thing. They were suffering persecution. They were living in poverty. There were social conflict, spiritual conflict. Many believers were backsliding and going back to live in a worldly manner. There was a lot going on at that time. James is an immensely practical book. It's filled with more imperatives, more commands than any New Testament book. And for these reasons, James has been called the, the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's highly relevant to the Christian life. And for me, as I was studying this again and, and just uncovering what it says, I mean, I've, I've read the book of James a lot, and this time it, it hit differently. And I think because of all the things that we see going on, and what I want to do is, is I want to go through the text verse by verse. I want to go through the text expositionally because I know that there's a lot that God wants to say to his church. Studying James is going to help us to persevere under trial to give us heavenly wisdom and not earthly wisdom. And it's going to fill our hearts with the Spirit and give us that desire to take the teachings that we learn and apply it to our lives and to live it out in our context. Amen? And so this is what it says, verse 19. James writes, You know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Now everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. That right there, that first verse, <laughs> is very practical, right, for what we see, especially for me um, as I was going through my thing. You know, I'm coming out of like a, like a funk, kind of like a burnout season uh, through the pandemic, and especially with all the, the politics and all that stuff, I was, I was uh, you know, I, I felt that. But as I was reading this, it says, James says, let everyone be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. The way that we become slow to anger is by first learning to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Much of our anger and wrath comes from being self-centered and not other-centered. Swift to hear is also a way to be other-centered. Slow to speak. You see, when we go on in the book of James, and as we read further, we're going to, James writes that true wisdom is peaceable, it's gentle, it's reasonable, and yet what do we see in our society, in our culture at this time? You know, I, I, I don't know if you guys have seen the documentary, The Social Dilemma. Um, I've, I saw The Social Dilemma on Netflix, and man, that hit me, just to learn um, about how powerful social media is, how powerful our smartphones and devices are. James gives us the antidote here to be slow to speak and quick to hear. I think just that right there is going to uh, take care of a lot of problems we see, especially in the church. Um, that really grieves my heart to see so much division going on in the church at this time um, over things that are, are non-essential matters. But, but we've politicized, we've, we, we've kind of like muddied the waters in a sense to where we get so emotionally attached to, to everything that we talk about, everything that we read. God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Amen? To be quick to hear. You know, I work for a, 
I work for a nonprofit called The Good Seed. So um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm on the pastoral staff, and I also uh, work full-time for a nonprofit called The Good Seed. And uh, it's a black-owned nonprofit. And what we do is we help homeless youth ages 16 to 25 get off the streets and get connected to resources. And, you know, working at The, at the Good Seed has really, it's impacted me in a good way. Because when I was not working and I was at home on my phone a lot, I was going down this rabbit trail. And this is just my story of, of how God has kind of like restored that peace and, and, and realigned my heart to see his heart. And working with black people, all black people, and just simply listening to their stories and listening to their experiences has really shaped me it's really allowed me to understand that, man, I don't know everything. You know, I don't know the experience of everybody. It's allowed me to be balanced, talking with my wife. It's helped me to understand, A, God's kingdom is not earthly, and B, people believe different things. Not everyone believes the same thing. They might be the same skin color, same ethnicity, same race, but they don't believe, not everyone believes the same thing. And that might be like common sense, but for me, it was a revelation because I understand, I understood, man, I need to listen more. Even in my marriage, I need to listen more. Why? Well, James tells us, he says, for a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. It's, a, it's an imperative, it's a command, it's a powerful appeal for unity, James writes. It's a plea to peaceful coexistence, being slow to say rash and angry words to others within the Christian community. Even back then, they sought to use the church as a means to exercise power, as a means to display wealth, favoritism. And yet James writes that we should be slow to anger that we are not to grumble against each other. We're warned against cursing fellow believers. Outbursts of anger do not produce the kind of righteous behavior God desires to see in our lives. I'm not gonna lie, it's been a, it's been a challenge this past year to articulate my views, to articulate certain positions that I hold about uh, different issues and about this and that. And I have people DMing me, oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Then I go to work and we're having conversations upon conversations upon everything. The first lesson James wants us to learn here is to be slow to anger. We need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Human anger is at odds with God's righteousness. And now watch what he says next in verse 21. The progression of the text, it says, Therefore, ridding yourselves of all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. And it's almost as if James is saying, look at, look at family, get your eyes off of the things, off of the things that you guys are arguing about. The things that are not central to the message, to the mission, get your eyes off of those things and look at yourself. Take the speck out of your own eye. Take, 
Don't look at the log, the speck in your brother's eyes. Take the log out of your own eye. Be introspective. Look at your life. He says, therefore, rid yourselves of all filthiness and all that remains in wickedness. This has the mind of an impure manner of living, temptation. We're to lay aside all impurity and put them far from us. One commentator says this. He says, the idea of this verse is that the wor- it carries the idea of total conversion, a complete change of life pattern. And I love that. Because sometimes we get so caught up in different things. But I feel like what James is saying here is to keep the main thing the main thing. How are you living your life? What are the things that God is speaking to you about? What are the things in your own heart that God wants to purge, that God wants to get rid of, those bad habits, whatever it may be? We have to be about our own lives. We have to be about our Father's business. He makes it clear that not only is the life of a Christian marked by proper speech, but it's also marked by proper behavior. And that goes for all of us. Yes, I'm a pastor, I'm a chaplain, but that applies to me as well. What are those things in my life that God wants, to, wants me to get rid of, to strip off? The weights, the sins that so easily hinder us. It's difficult sometimes to, to look at your own life and to be introspective. It's difficult to admit that Man, there's things in my life that God, I'm still dealing with. But God wants us to know that that's where it starts. It starts with us. If we really want to see a change in this world, we want to see a change in our communities, it starts with us. We ourselves have to surrender our lives to God fully. We ourselves have to be willing to be honest with ourselves and have those conversations with ourselves. It's like, man, what? What are those things? He says, to receive with meekness the implanted word. And I love that. Meekness meaning a teachable heart. The word is able to save us and it's able to change us. Last time I was here, I was able to uh, share my testimony about um, how God has saved me and um, had changed me. I grew up going to uh, TKC my whole life. I, you know, I fell into drugs, fell away for a long time. And in the two-man cell in the county jail, I picked up the book. Actually, there was an inmate that would come to my cell door every morning and preach to me and pray with me. And it was through reading the word of God that God was able to grab a hold of my life and change me from the inside out. And, and when it says the implanted word, I feel that because I know that the power of God, the word of God has the power to change lives. The spirit of God working in and through us, we as the conduit of grace and salvation to our community, to the people around us, to push back the darkness, to step into spaces where we don't want to go, to step into conversations that there might be some awkward conversations, the awkward silences there, you know? But to step into these spaces and, and, and preach the word of God. 
There's no amount of systems, there's no amount of policies, although important as they are, there, there's no amount of everything that's going to regenerate the human heart but the Word of God. That should be our main goal. He says to receive the Word of God. Spurgeon puts it this way, that the word receive is a very instructive gospel word. It's the door through which God's grace enters through to us. We are not saved by working, but by receiving, not by what we give to God, but by what God gives to us and what we receive from him. You see, it's a regenerated heart that we need as believers. And, and, and I felt it, again, like I keep repeating myself, but I've really felt it this past year of a, a spiritual lows and lulls and I can't motivate myself to really dive into the word of God. Maybe that's you. You know, if we're being real with ourselves, maybe that's you. Maybe you, you had a hard year. You know, maybe, maybe you weren't motivated to, to, to do your QTs, to, to listen to sermons and, and to, to get fed from God. But God is calling us to return this afternoon to get back to preaching the word of God where the power is through the spirit of God. And I've seen that. I've seen that happen in our community. You know, Watts is... It's an interesting place, you know, there's housing projects, there's, the thing about Watts, I think, and uh, versus different communities and like different inner cities also as well is the sin is so concentrated. You know, you, you can see it literally on the streets. As you're driving up Compton Avenue, you will see prostitutes, you'll see needles, you'll see gang members, you're, you'll see it all. And I think the thing about Watts is it's, it's so concentrated in one area that sometimes we feel, man, is, is what we're doing making a difference? You know, is what we're doing, are we actually reaching people? But as I talk to the youth and we continue to connect, man, God is doing a beautiful work in Watts. You know, God is changing hearts. He's, man, the youth is so encouraging to me. You know, because they're really the future of, of the church. And to see young people living in that context, but choosing to follow Jesus and deny the ways of the world and deny the, the, the seemingly fun things that they see all around them, it, it brings a, a joy to my heart that I can't describe. And that's what James is saying. He's saying, be about preaching the word Verse 22, he says this, and this is what I kind of want to harp on. He says, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not just hearers who deceive themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who has looked intently at the perfect law the law of freedom and has continued in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an active doer, this person will be blessed in what he does. And I felt that. Like, I resonate with that uh, because I forget a lot of things Rebecca tells me. <laughs> um, I'm a very forgetful person. I try to remember everything she tells me. It's difficult sometimes. 
But in the same way, sometimes we forget what the Word of God says. We read it, we pray, we're motivated, we, 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 we're spirit-filled. We say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to live this out. And then maybe a few weeks, a few goes on, we forget about what we read, what we learned. And that's what James is saying here. He says, listen, we can't just hear the word. We have to be doers of the word. To take comfort in the fact that you have heard God's word when you haven't done it is to deceive yourselves. Ooh, that goes for me too. To hear the word and not do the word, we're deceiving ourselves. And I'm not saying that all of us have to, you know, go, go move to Compton and, and live in the hood and, 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 and do all that. But what does that look like in our specific contexts? What does that look like at home? What does that look like in our workplaces, with our families, among our group of friends? It was common in the ancient world for people to hear a teacher. If you followed the teacher and to live what he said, you were called the disciple of that teacher. We may say that Jesus is looking for disciples and not doers. How does the old saying go? It says, don't talk about it, but be about it, right? Don't talk about it, be about it. We have to ask God, and this is not something that we can muster in and of ourselves. We can't try so hard where we get to a place of, okay, like, obedience. This is something that comes from the inside out. We have to pray we have to seek. We have to ask. We have to be intentional with what we do in our time. Scrutiny. This has the idea of careful scrutiny. James had in mind people who, have, who give a careful scrutiny of God's word. See, there's a lot of people that study the word. There's a lot of people, a lot of scholars out there that will debate what a Greek word means, what this nuance means, or what this means in light of that, but not all of them are doers of the word. Not all of them have come to a place where that word has truly implanted in their hearts and changed them and, and, and drives them to do what they do. To see God's law God's word, it changes us. And he says here, he says, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, what does that mean? It just, it's a way to describe the word of God. James is describing someone who's spent time in the word and in prayer and fellowship, who's truly cried out to God, God, I need a word from you. God, I'm going through this. God, I'm praying for this. God, I want to be like this. God, I, I want to change. James is saying the way that happens is when you look into the word of God, when you spend time in the word of God. God reveals to us a law, but it's the law of liberty written on our hearts that have been transformed by the spirit of God. You know, if I can say one thing, I can say that the Word of God is something that I've seen do amazing work 
in the lives of our youth. You know that? That especially our boys and also our girls, but I spend a lot more time with the boys. And I, I can see the way that God's word has uplifted them, has comforted them, has given them a strength, a hope. Man, when my cousin got shot by his own friends, to set him up on his birthday, I have a youth boy who, whose cousin got shot and killed on, on his birthday, 17 years old. Um, his grandma gave him, rented a car for him, gave him money, bought him a chain. And, and these homies, they set him up. And, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to go party, whoop-de-whoop. And they ended up shooting him in the head, still in the car, taking the chain, taking the money. We've had people die on the projects. Even in the past three weeks, there's been three murders. Uh, there's been a huge drug bust in, in the Nickerson Gardens housing project. We have a youth that literally saw the man dying outside his door. What, what do you tell someone that's, that's gone through that, right? Someone who's grieving. I've seen the way that the word of God has, has carried them, how Jesus has carried them through these hard times. It's the word of God. Verse 26, he says this. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this person's religion is worthless. And I'm like, dang, James, that's pretty, pretty, pretty harsh, right? Because I'm not perfect. You know, sometimes I say things that I shouldn't. Sometimes, sometimes I do things that I shouldn't. James says, real religion is not shown by hearing the word, but by doing it. And one way to do God's word is to bridle the tongue. James used it here of someone who is religious, but is not really right with God. And this is evident because he does not bridle his tongue and I'm guilty of this, um, you know, just with all the, again, all with the conversations that I've had throughout this past year, you know, there's been a lot of times where I've been angry. There's a lot of times where in my confusion, in my frustration, I've said things that I shouldn't have. But James here gives us the antidote on what it means to, to be truly religious. And he says, it starts with bridling your tongue. That's a, that's a difficult thing sometimes, when, especially when you're impassioned, um, you know, when, when you know that person is wrong, right? You know they're wrong, but they won't believe you <laughs> or they won't listen to you. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but sometimes, yeah, I do feel like that, you know? Maybe I'm wrong, but... the word of God. He says, your walk with God is useless if it does not translate into the way you live and the way you treat others. Many are deceived in their own heart regarding the reality of their walk with God. And I just simply want to throw out the question out there for us this afternoon. Where are we in our relationships with God? If I'm being honest with myself, I'm not where I want to be either. 
And I feel like if we're all being honest with ourselves, we will admit to ourselves, man, I should be doing more, right? I should be seeking God more. He says, pure and undefiled religion before God is this. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. There's a great deal of pure and undefiled religion in the sight of man that's not pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God. A lot of people have taken on a task that does not belong to them. Like it said earlier, it says the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And yet, as people, sometimes we want to be the Holy Spirit, right? Sometimes we want to bring about that change, that transformation through our own strength. But this is how you'll know if a person is truly walking with God. And that's to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And man, as I spend more time in Watts, um, building relationships with community members and families and, and kids, youth, and, and doing ministry with my wife and all the challenges that these kids face, um, man, I just, I just love them so much, you know? I, I really want, I want them to know how much God loves them more than anything we can do for them. Like, I really, truly want them to understand that God loves you. You know, that God has a purpose for you. You know, that God has a plan for you. That you were meant for so much more than what you see in your community on a daily basis. You know, that's really my heart's cry for, for them. I want them to understand who they are in Christ. I want them to really and, and truly fathom and grasp who Jesus is and what he's done for them. That he's given them a future and a hope. That they have a good father, even though they might not have an earthly father. That they have a good father in heaven that loves them, that wants to take them from glory to glory. True religion does not merely give something for the relief of the distressed, but it visits them. It takes the oversight of them. It takes them under its care. It goes to their houses. It speaks to their hearts. It relieves their wants. It sympathizes with them in their distresses. It instructs them in divine things and recommends them to God. And all this it does for the Lord's sake. And this is the religion of Christ. And I love that, how that commentator put it. That being truly a follower of Jesus is not merely what we say or where we go on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning, but it's what we do. How does our faith play out in our lives? Again, I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just trying to have the word of God weigh on you and have the spirit speak to your heart. The idea is not that a Christian retreats away from the world. Instead, they interact with orphans and widows in their trouble and others such in their need. 
The Christian ideal is not to retreat from the world. They are in the world, but they're not of it. And they're to remain unspotted from the world. And I'll tell you this, there is such a great opportunity out there right now. There are so many people saying, oh, you know, we need new systems and, and you know, fighting for justice and righteousness and all that is good and dandy. But what I truly believe and from my experience and what I've seen is the greatest impact is going to come when you touch a life. When you sit down with a kid, when you sit down across from someone who's lost their loved one, when you go show up at their door without telling them with groceries, when you, tell, when you give them an encouraging word when their family members are in the hospital, when you mentor a young life, when you pray for somebody, such a great opportunity out there to do God's work, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a community that's hurting, communities that are hurting everywhere. I said there was a 20-high year crime spike, so this is the highest the crime has been in L.A. City and L.A. County over the past 20 years. The highest amount of shootings, highest amount of murders, highest amount of homicides, crime, everything. Everything's gone up. New York, Chicago. If we were to just read the news and just go based off of what we see, we can be overwhelmed. Man, what, what are we going to do? How are we going to change this? But like I said in the beginning, it starts with us. It starts with just one person, a couple people, a small local church saying, you know what? I'm going to, I'll step in the gap. I will fill the gap. I will be the one to, to sacrifice my time, to sacrifice my life, my resources, my energy, to step into broken spaces and into darkness and to bring the light of Christ. And we're to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. And as I stand here on, on Mission Sunday, um, you know, this is a call. You know, this is a plea. This is an invitation to be involved and, and to be a part of what God is doing in Watts. Um, and I just want to say off the top, you know, thank you so much for all your guys' prayers, support. I mean, Rooftop Church has really, you guys are about it. And I, I'll say that, you know. You guys are really about it because there's a lot of people that have come once, but they've never been back. There's a lot of people that have said that they want to come, but they'll never make the time. But Rooftop Church, you guys have really been about it, and, and, and I, I'm so excited for what God has for us together as churches. And the opportunities that God is going to open for us to, to minister to lives. Some of the youth that y'all have met, actually, right? You guys came on and outreaches and, and, and mission trips. Some of those youth are still walking with the Lord. And that's a great thing, obviously, amen? 
They're still walking. They're growing. They're, they're, they're um, you know, reading their Bibles. They're asking questions. They're preaching on Instagram, making TikTok videos, encouraging people to, to follow Jesus. And I have a youth student, and she calls me probably f- four times a week. Hey, Stephen, can I tell you about this? Can I tell you about that, this person, that? I was on TikTok and this, and I was like, man, you know, go for it, girl. You know, keep, keep, keep preaching, telling people about Jesus. And yet there are some youth that are now walking around the projects with loaded guns, with pistols, selling drugs. You know, it's just that juxtaposition of the reality. And I'm just like, God, no! Praying, praying, interceding. And yet, I believe there's hope. God claims to be the protector of such people. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. And he takes care of them. I love that picture of being a father to the fatherless. Like, our youth kids, they need fathers. You know, they need, a lot of them need families. They need people to step into their life and to to tell them, to guide them, to love on them. We're called to stop doing wrong and to learn to do right, to seek justice, to encourage the oppressed, to defend the cause of the fatherless, and to plead the case of the widow. In short, we're to be like God. Justice and righteousness, both satisfied on the cross for you and I. And as we think upon and ponder upon the gift of salvation, of what God has done for us on the cross, how will we respond to that in our lives? I want to invite you once again to continue in the work that God is doing. And I'll end with this. You know, I had a, I had a he's not really a, my youth student, but um, he, he's, a, he's a young man that we've been building relationships with. And uh, we'll call him Radio. Radio is, is a young man that uh, we've been building relationships with. He lives in the projects, but he never came out to youth group. I think he came out maybe one or two times. And um, I took him out to eat probably once. A year ago, he was very closed off. He, he wouldn't mock me, but, you know, I, I'm sure for him, like a bald Asian guy in the, in the hood, and it's like, what the heck, you know? So it's, for him, it's like a trip, like, oh, like, he was too cool for school, you know? And he was, really, he was really a kid that I felt like, okay, if we, he's like truly at risk. I, 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 I thought that the probability was almost 100% that he would end up becoming like a real gang member. And... Um, you know, we had, a, we had a service in the, in the Nickerson Gardens uh, last Sunday, and we saw him. And this time, his whole countenance had changed. When I waved to him, he waved back. You know, prior times, he was with his homie, and I'll wave, and he'll just keep walking. I don't know him, right? I got, you have to uphold that reputation. But this time when we saw him, 
Man, we said hi to him. He waved. He wanted to talk. He was open. He was telling us about what was going on. And it hit me that this, all the things that he's seen over the past year, and especially seeing those, those murders happen in his front yard, it really changed him. And that's a common theme that I've seen just with people in general. People are seeking. People want answers. People want to know, like, why do I feel this emptiness in my soul? It's an opportunity. And God is calling you. God is calling me. God is calling us as the body, as the church, to step into those spaces and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And, um, you know, as things open back up, I'm just really excited again about, about how that's going to look for Rooftop and Hope Central. Uh, but, man, I just want to encourage you guys with that word just to, to continue being faithful to the Lord. You know, whatever that looks like, to spend time in his word, in prayer, and, and to shift our focus, if that's you, from the things that don't really matter to the things that will matter eternally for the people around us and in, in our communities. Amen? Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for, for you. God, we just thank you so much for your word. God, that it changes us, it, it transforms us, it, it convicts us. God, I thank you so much for all my brothers and sisters here, Lord, that have come to hear from you, Lord. And God, I pray for all of us that you would continue to fill us with their Holy Spirit. God, if we're weary, if we're far from you, God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to return to our first love, to fill our hearts with that fire and that, that passion that we once had, that being on fire for Jesus is not something that we experience in high school and, and grow out of, but, Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we draw closer to the end of our lives, Lord, that we would become more and more passionate for you, that the sense of urgency in our lives would increase, God, that we would not shrink back from death, but we would step into those places, God. Help us, Lord, to make the most of every single day and every opportunity.